You're listening to the Career Jump Podcast. Insights, interviews, and success stories to inspire and give you the edge when you make your next career jump. Hosted by your career concierge, Andrew McCaskill. Hello and welcome back to the Executive Career Jump podcast. I'm your host and career concierge, Andrew McCaskill, and I'm delighted today to be joined by Christian Bebo. How are you, Christian? I'm amazing, Andrew. Thank you. How are you this morning? I'm very good. I always smile when I ask Christian how he is because he always says amazing, which I think is uh, a really, really good response. So I'm glad you didn't let me down on on the podcast with that response. Good to see you. So Christian and I have known each other in a number of different guises over the years, and I've known him as a you know, a real change agent and somebody that drives big strategic programs. But why don't you introduce yourself and a bit about your background for our listeners before we get into it, Christian? That'd be great. So, yeah, thank you, Andrew. So um, I, I'm i a senior program uh, director, senior program manager, uh, which means I lead large global programs, change programs, restructures, large deliverables that companies need to do, deliver. They come from the strategic objective of the business, and then it's down to what does it mean and what's the business case, how do we deliver it, who do we need on board, and then from start to finish. So you try and get people that don't report into you to go on a journey with you. That's Yeah, that is a very good essence of what I do. Sounds uh, sounds like tricky work. Sounds very tricky work. Herding cats springs to mind. Uh, but what, why do you enjoy that? What is it about program leadership and, and things that, that you particularly enjoy? For me, Andrew, this is very much about people. This is about working with people to get the best result for the business, for what we need to deliver and what we need to do. People deliver, people are the key driver for the things that need to happen. Um, and when I can help people to do what they do best, when I can help people to do the core of what they love to do, what they like to do, and they can deliver that and they see clear results from it, that for me is a massive driver. Whether that is people in technical engineering or whether that is people in tax, legal, marketing, when you see them actually light up because they see there's something they can contribute with, there's something they can get their teeth into to work on, that is their core. They don't have actually worry about all the other things that sit around it because I can do that. That is when I really enjoy what I do. Brilliantly articulated. Really like that. Okay, very good. And you've just secured a new role. Start. I have. The laptop's on the way. You've been hired. Um, yep. So congratulations again on that. Thanks for that. Obviously, a lot of people that listen to this uh, podcast are currently in transition themselves and are currently trying to attract in a new role. So we'd love to hear a little bit more about your job search journey and you know how you found the whole job searching challenge, particularly in the last 12 months. So are you happy to share that with us? I'm very happy to share that, Andrew. Uh, and let me start at the beginning. I was told that my role was going to be, be made redundant um, June, July time last year. Uh, and those of you who follow me on LinkedIn, you see I posted of this a little while back. I, I have to admit, I was angry. Mm. I knew this was going to happen, but I went straight into the chain, chain, uh, change curve, straight into anger, frustration, um, and it took me by surprise because, as I said before, I have led launch changes, restructures, and these kind of things. So I've been sat on both sides of the table. So I know what was going to happen. I, it was done perfectly far. There was very, the company was really, really fair. There was nothing wrong in it, but my inner self got angry. 
Mm. And I think I hung myself up on one word that was used when the director that I spoke to said something. And he didn't use the wrong word. It was just how I responded as an individual. When I sit back and think about it, I recognize what happened. And I, it also helped me come out of the change code much quicker and get much more proactive in my, in my new search. If I sat long at the bottom, that would have been depression. That would have been difficult. It would have been emotionally very, very difficult. But I was lucky. I knew what I recognized it. I knew what it was. I also had a very, very strong network around me. Mm, that helps. My, my wife, my family, my colleagues, my LinkedIn network, people like yourself who you can talk to, who are willing to listen, mm. who are willing to say, okay, not maybe not the end of the world. I know it's tough, but uh, let's find the positives for it. Those are the kind of things that are really, really important very, very early on. Yeah, isolation is not good when you're going through the change curve. That's 100% correct. And thanks for the openness. I think a lot of people have that initial anger reaction so you, you've got a coaching background as well which is interesting so what advice would you give to somebody in terms of uh, you know in addition to surrounding themselves with other people which I think is fantastic steer what else can people do to get through that change curve you know what what helped you spring out of that situation interesting that you bring up the coaching element of it because I will then go straight into the grow model what's the goals what do I want to achieve from this what does this mean what is my goal? And to be honest with you, my goal was get a new role, get a different, get a better role in a new company, uh, find the right company. Th these things will be different from different people. Set it down, start writing it out, put it down on a piece of paper, a notebook, write it on your wall, wherever you want to do it, just start putting it down for you. So you solidify it and you put it down and you can start looking at it and thinking about it. Own the challenge, be proactive. Nobody else is going to solve this for you. You have a network and you have people around you, but no jobs come sailing in unless you're really, really lucky and all of a sudden somebody calls you up and they got the perfect role for you. Don't get me wrong, that happens as well, but it's the minority. <clears throat> and one of the things I learned really, really quickly, and it took me a while to get to this stage, is be a two percenter. And I'm back to the 2% on LinkedIn who actually posts, who put up an opinion, who have an opinion and contribute to the conversations on LinkedIn. One, two reasons for it. A, it helps you verbalize who you are and put out a brand and a persona. It also helps you move through some of the challenges you have from a personal perspective. So you can talk about a problem. And once you talked about it, either face-to-face, -face, but also written on LinkedIn, you actually move into a completely different mindset. You are then in a problem-solving mindset, solutions of it. How do I fix this? And you start getting input. And I think that's the key thing, owning it, talking about it, and be proactive about finding the right solution. I love that. Yeah, the sense of ownership is really, really important. It's so easy to externalise. And tempting to do so. Yeah. Very, very tempting. Blaming the ex-boss, <clears throat> blaming the economy. Like There's loads of perfectly valid reasons, particularly when you feel wronged. But yeah, you're right. Ultimately, you've got to find it within you to solve it and grab hold of it and be more proactive about it. it it's very, very rare right now that it's just happening for people from what I'm seeing. So some excellent advice. What was the, what have been some of the hardest parts of that 
journey for you, do you think? Some of the hardest parts is always that when you put a CV out, when you actually apply for a role, you either get no feedback whatsoever, you never hear anything, you get a call from a recruiter, <clears throat> either a recruiter or a talent acquisitions manager, somebody either in-house or externally, and you talk it through and they say, sorry, you're not right for this role for whatever reason. That kind of rejection is tough. That is always tough. You might get through to a first stage interview. That goes well. You get to a second stage interview and then you get rejected because there was somebody else who was better than you. These are things that happens every single day to everybody. And it's tough to get rejected. And I think that's the toughest thing. You start seeing on LinkedIn and around you that other people get jobs. Uh, you start asking, why am I not getting a job? Why am I, what, why am I failing? Why am I not doing the right thing? Um, et cetera, et cetera. You start questioning yourself. And you think that what you do is what is wrong. It may not be that something you do is wrong. There might be things that you do that can be enhanced. A CV is a CV. No CV is ever wrong. It's about how do you write it and how do you lay it out? It can always be enhanced. If you've got 25 years of experience, that is who you are. If you've got zero years of experience, that is who you are. There's nothing wrong with that. It is how do you lay it out and how do you present yourself? And I think that's the toughest thing is the self-questioning. It's that everybody else is getting a new role. Everybody else is getting something. And it isn't everybody else. It's just part of those 2% who post on LinkedIn who tells you that they get a job. And it's not even all of them. So I think that is the toughest thing in this environment. And in anything, when anybody goes through job loss, redundancy, any sort of loss. Yeah. Yeah, the resilience required to still interview it the best of your ability whilst you feel like you're getting rejected regularly or and you're overthinking and and self-questioning is is really tough so thank you for bringing that up i think that's good hey everybody it's uh, andrew here just wanted to very briefly interrupt this podcast episode to tell you a little bit more about our career jump club so our career jump club was created to help job seekers understand what they want and how to get it right so becoming a club member is a great move if you're looking to get the clarity and confidence in order to secure your next role with the membership you get a number of different things so first thing you get is access to our online platform which has over 30 videos 40 50 different templates workbooks and it takes you through everything from sort of understanding what you want to how to position your CV and LinkedIn, how to interview, how to close offers and negotiate better salaries, a full end-to-end -end job search course effectively for senior leaders. So you get that, you get a fortnightly group coaching call, um, which is with me and with the other members where we bounce around best practice, share slide decks, share techniques, and share the latest data on what's working for people. And you get to most importantly, become part of our closed LinkedIn group and our closed community. And in there is where the magic often happens because you get people referring each other into opportunity, supporting each other and just sharing. And that's what it's all about. So if you're financially able and you'd like to invest in your job search, head on over to www.execcareerjump.com or one word forward slash club and you'll find the landing page and come and give it a go. We'll see you in there. Anyway, back to the pod. So what helped you, do you think? Because you kept 
you kept really consistent, particularly with content, with networking, with your mindset. Every time I spoke to you uh, and asked you how you were, you said you were amazing, um, which is probably part of it. You know, what the stories we tell ourselves do have an impact on our state. So that's good. But, you know, what helped you stay consistent and maintain belief that, you know, you were going to yeah, get found by the right people for the right kind of opportunity? I always come back to my, my grow model. What is my goal? What do I want to achieve? Uh, what's realistic about it? What is my opportunities? And how willing am I to actually go and get it? I always come back to this. For me, it's a framework to work within. As a program manager, I run as, yeah, large programs. This is no different. You might call it a project, a program. It doesn't really matter. Uh, what's your risks? Who are your stakeholders? How do you engage with them? Um, what CVs have you sent off? Have you had feedback? Have other people done what they needed to do to give you that feedback? And it's not always that people, on the, you, you, those who are listening, you understand what I'm on about. You need a, this is a job. It's an eight hour a day, seven days a week job. And I agree that with my wife that I, although I need to do some stuff around the house because she was working full time, I, I might need to do the laundry. Getting a new job is still a full time job. Totally. So I'm you need. So, I'm so happy you said that because so many people don't use their business <clears throat> on their job search. No, and I think you need to set yourself in that framework. So that helped me. And um, shameless plug, Andrew, uh, the work that you do, uh, the weekly calls on a Thursday at quarter past twelve. Um, I joined the ex- executive career job club. The amount of tools and availability, the community that is there to help you. So when you got a question. There's a group of people around you with more experience than you, with less experience than you, with different experience that can give their input and give their help. For me, that's about building that network of people who are willing to support their colleagues in the same position, doing the same thing. We're all going for different roles. Some of us even went for the same job. Some of us were up against each other for the same role. But we're still willing to share. We're still willing to share knowledge and experience. And that, for me, is one of the biggest drivers and the biggest things that led to success, I think. Um, yeah, community is so important, isn't it? And, and I do think um, the, the last 12 months has brought both the best and the worst out of people. <laughs> yeah. But the best is there for all to see, particularly on LinkedIn, particularly in these groups. We've obviously got our community group. But there's, I've seen other you know, communities spring up, which are specifically to help people in transition you know other initiatives spring up and i think that that's been brilliant so yeah no really good going back to um, cvs really quickly if we can so i know you've done a lot of hiring in the past and you've now been tinkering for a few months with your own cv what advice would you have to people you said you know enhance what you've got to work with you you know your background is your background it's about enhancing it and owning it but you know how do you think people can enhance what for you based on your most recent experience, does a good CV? Data. Get data in your CV. Mm. Uh, clear what did you actually deliver. Consider whether the old, and I'm calling it the old, standard chronological CV is right for you. It turned out it wasn't right for me. As you know, I worked both interim and permanent. What works best for me is a functional CV. We'd have, this is what I've done, these are my key competences, and then a chronological order of my places of employment, whether contract or, or permanent. Consider various options and figure out what's the best for you to display who you are 
and what have you actually done? As a hiring manager, I need to know what you can deliver. And I can only do that if you can showcase to me what you have actually delivered in the past, because up until the point that I get you in front of me and through an interview, I don't actually know who you are. I don't know Adam from John or, or, or Joanna. So, and I tend to, I always ask my recruiters to anonymize my CVs. I don't want name because I don't want to go into a set of biases of what, how the name stands out or, or these kind of things. So I just want the core of what has been delivered. And if I can't see what has been delivered, if I can't see any data in there, it's very difficult for me to, to quantify whether I think you can actually deliver something for me in my new role. But again, this is all about where you sit in, the, in, the, in, in your career path. If you're looking for an intern, if you're looking for somebody for the first job, we know there isn't going to be a data in there. Then I'm talking about attitude. What did, what did, have you volunteered? Have you worked with other things other than just going to school? Um, if you haven't, how have you delivered your schoolwork and these kind of things? Find the really positive things for you and put that on your CV. Yeah. Scope, scale and outcomes we talk about from a data point of view. I think if you can stick yeah. scope, scale and outcomes, you're in a good space. So that's a good challenge. Um, interviewing. <laughs> so you've conducted a few interviews over uh, the last few months. Um, what advice would you have for people going out there and interviewing in this climate? What's worked well for you? What have been the key learnings? The interviews that worked well for me is where you were able to create a conversation rather than a question and answer situation. And the more times when, you, when I could get into a conversation with the hiring manager or the interviewer about what is the reason for their questioning to begin with. So they ask a question, tell me about a time when you did X, Y, or Z, and you talk it through, and you then want to try and end on a question so did that answer your question what what else are you looking for what's your key problem that led you to ask that question that will have they will then answer that question that is psychologically how we are built we will answer the question we're given and you can then start to have a conversation around the actual problem that they want to solve by hiring you there is an underlying problem when they put a job advert out. They're missing something in their, in, in their algorithm, um, in their business, and that's what they want to solve. But until you can try and find out what the answer is to this algorithm, you can't reverse engineer that to build a formula. No. And uh, so it's getting that real job description on the table as we talk about, isn't it? And yeah. again, what you're doing there, really what you're doing is using your business skills on your job search again. So you're, go, you're kind of approaching that meeting um, as if you were going in to consult with an internal stakeholder rather than going in just to answer somebody's questions. Yeah, and try and, and it, it can be difficult. And this doesn't work for everybody all the time. Don't get me wrong. It, I've had several interviews where the hiring manager didn't actually answer the question I asked back and you couldn't create the conversation. So it doesn't work all the time. But when you get it working, you have get so much more out of the process for both the hiring manager and the candidate, uh, because you can actually dive into the challenge and you can come up with solutions. You can have a little bit of a working session for how to solve their problem, either immediately or more long term. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. Love that, Christian. That's awesome. Back to LinkedIn then. 
So you've been pretty proactive. You've had some good engagement on some of your posts. What are your thoughts on you know, how people can leverage LinkedIn effectively, either through content or making new connections? What have been your, your key takeaways there from this period? So I, it took me a while to get onto LinkedIn. It took me a while to actually realize the benefit of posting on LinkedIn. And the first post, the second post, the third post were terrifying to write. I thought, am I getting the right one in there? Are people going to disagree with me? Are people going to hang me out to dry? Am I saying the wrong thing? Am I saying the right thing? Is it technically correct what I'm talking about? The proof is that nobody actually said any of those kind of things. People commented, people said, people didn't always agree with me, don't get me wrong. But we could then have a conversation or a discussion in the comment box underneath about what I meant, had I had I written it in a way so it was misinterpreted, et cetera. And we are no, more often than not, we ended up on a situation where, yeah, we, we actually do agree. I just hadn't worded it correctly to begin with, or they misunderstood it. Well, so debate fe- anyway, right? Debate. It is debate. And this is no different debate from when you're sitting having a cup of coffee in the office, right? When you're having lunch with somebody or when you're in a meeting. And that's how I always want to try and put it. I put a post out today. There's only 2% of the LinkedIn population who actually posts, who write a post, who write an article. And imagine if you were at work and 98% of your colleagues never said a word. They just sat and listened to the two of 100 people who in the office were talking. How would that feel? You'd never get anything from anybody. And LinkedIn is a little bit like that. I think we all need to contribute. I think we all need to shape conversations. And at work, and as work, and as at work, we never fully agree. But we can have a professional conversation. But we can have a level playing field where people can have an opinion. We can challenge the opinion in a professional and honest manner. And we don't always have to agree. But always be kind. Don't hang people out to dry. There will be spelling mistakes. We all spell things wrong every now and then. I, for one, can't spell form from. from. I will type in from, and a form is what turns up on the screen, etc., etc., etc. So let's. I think if we can all start posting a little bit and get over the fear, that will be a great, great achievement. And since I've done this, I've done this for three or four months now. I regularly, from hiring managers and talent acquisitions managers and recruiters, get feedback of, Christian, I saw your post the other day, and I actually really liked it. What what did you mean by this? And that's another thing that then drives a conversation. When you actually get to talk to people about a role, you have an anchor to pull them in on because they've seen your posts. And one of the roles I went for, they had an internal candidate, so we never got any further, but the recruiter's feedback was, uh, thanks for participating in the Christian. Um, sorry we didn't have anything now, but I'm going to continue to enjoy your posts on LinkedIn. And those kind of things, people are lo- looking at it and people are watching it, but everybody should get more in, more involved, put a comment in, ask a question and these kind of things. No, I totally agree. It keeps you front of mind. It differentiates you from other people. And fair play, because you've gone from being worried about writing your first post to you've ended up doing videos. You've ended up posting two or three times a week. You're currently on a podcast. I don't know if you realized that's going to be <laughs> pumped out to a few hundred people as it always yeah. gets plenty of downloads this. So 
So, yeah, no, fair play. You've gone on your own journey with that, as we see a lot of people go with, and it's been really successful. And I think what's good about your content is that you've tended to offer a lot of commentary on the type of pain that you solve. So you've spoken a lot about change, a lot about stakeholder management, a lot about what the hell's the difference between a programme and a project, for example. And and it's it's had that nice educational but human flavour to it, which I think stood up well. And I hope when you go and post, as you know, I, I really hope that you continue doing this because I think uh, you've got an interesting flair for it. So keep it up. So this this new gig then, which uh, everyone's delighted that you've landed, I know you had a you know a few different options and different things in the pipeline at, at the end of, of your job search process. What was on your scorecard in terms of what was important for the next role and what really attracted you to it? Uh, what really attracted me to is, so there, yeah, there's always a scorecard. It's the people, it's the challenge in the role, and it's how can I actually see that I can actually add value to the team that is already there. Those are the big three key things for me, on top of the basics such as salary and holidays and all these kind of things. So that was that, that. I think that was what drove me most to this role more than anything else. I could clearly see that I knew I could do the role. There is still some some development opportunity for me in there from a professional perspective. I had a really good connection with the team and the hiring manager and the people, and I I we I think we intuitively knew that we could work well together, and we can both add value and we can all add value to the organization. I think that's the key thing that drove me to this one. It's those aspects of it. Makes perfect sense. That platform for impact is really important. Feeling like you've picked a role that gives you that platform to make an impact. At a certain level, that impact is really what drives people. People tend to leave roles, in my experience, if they don't feel like what they're doing is making a difference, you know? Yeah. That's a really good point. Fantastic. Any closing remarks for the... uh, leaders in transition that that might be coming to the end of this episode anything that you'd particularly like to leave them with as a final thought keep at it Uh, the right role the right organization is out there for you this isn't a is it a binary game is it not it's not quite a binary game it is just it is not just noughts and noughts and ones Uh, this is a you need to partake in the environment you need to partake in the process to make it work but the right role is out there for you and rejection is a learning opportunity if you didn't get this role do some analysis of it figure out why it didn't work on this occasion and what's the solution next time when you're in the same situation lovely way to think about it some fantastic value in there i'm really um really grateful that you gave up some of your time today to come and talk to us and share your insights so openly uh follow christian on linkedin if you're not already as i say he does pop out some interesting content i'm hoping he'll continue to do so we wish you all the very best of success in your new role having uh known a bit about you and how you operate before uh, the more recent period i have no doubt you'll add a bunch of uh, value for them that will go really really well so all the best for the future thanks for sharing your time today and uh we'll catch up soon cheers fantastic andrew thank you You've been listening to the Career Jump podcast with Andrew McCaskill. For more resources and information, just head over to the Career Jump website at www.execcareerjump.com to supercharge your job search and start making moves. Let's get to work.